Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to a podcast for my children with Kale Thomas and Chris Cox. This podcast is about things you want to tell your kids, but you may forget to or you don't end up doing, kind of like a time capsule, so to speak. And really and truly, the, the info is just good for us because, you know, we have to often remind ourselves of a lot of things. Um, where can they listen to us? Uh, you guys can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean, and coming soon, Spotify. Spotify. All right. So today, we talk about automation, how messed up millennials are. Pretty much. And my generation, Gen <laughs> Xers, and everyone else. Am I Gen Y? I, or I, is that a term, Gen Y and Gen Z? I think. They're... I think. I think it is. Yeah. Um, because because my kids are like, um, oh, there's some other little buzzword. They, there's yeah. a letter assigned to them, and there's some other buzzword, and I should have looked it up before the episode. But at any rate, yes. Yeah, I don't follow it. I'm just like I know that I'm I'm in that millennial category, um, and I think that begins. Something like in the late 80s or 90s or something. I'm at the tail end of the 90s. Yeah, so my wife yeah. is 82 and she's like on the cusp. Gotcha. Yep. So I can make millenni- millennial jokes at her. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, you know, millennials take a lot of heat, they right? Do. For being lazy or not personable or whatever you want to say about that. Right. But I always say millennials are people too. They are. You know, at the end of the day... They are people with feelings and there's a human nature to them. It's just they're growing up in a different environment. It's true. With different expectations and different amounts of knowledge and information coming at them and things like that. But um, like you're you're in there. I am. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, honestly, because like so seeing as that I grow up and have grown up with technology, it's like at the rate that we get it, it's we have to shape ourselves like kind of at a faster rate. And it's hard to kind of like comprehend having social kind of situations go on because like especially in today's society you know like a lot of people prefer texting over calling I'm a little bit old-fashioned I kind of like a good phone call every once in a while but it's because we have like 12 other things going on at one time that we're like okay automation kind of makes things easier for us because we can get more done at that point especially so like seeing as that I do social media marketing for you Automation's great because at that point it's like, okay, I can have kind of a drip going of, of certain things that I'm going to be posting for you. Right. And then I can go back and edit, you know, video and stuff like that. So it it makes it more of a convenience to have that automated process because at that point I can do more things at a given amount of time. And I feel more productive that way. And I use automation in kind of a productive process. It's not more it's not necessarily a laziness thing. I mean, sure, I do kind of tend to let things automate for me in a lazy way as well, but I like to think that automation could be used as a good tool, almost as if like, you know, how throughout society we've always tried to make things easier for ourselves. You know, like we we have tools that we've built from the beginning of time as time goes on because why waste time doing something when you could just get it done super quick so you can do something else in the meantime? Right, agreed. And so where in there is the point where you know I'm relying on automation too much I need to kind of make that human connection again. Right. And ironically, can you do that with more automation or more technology? Like what shows up for me is video, for example. Yeah. Is a great way to, even if you just do a you know, video a message to somebody, um, it's more impactful than just texting, right? Right. 
sometimes more, I think it's more impactful than a voicemail. Yeah. But it's like, um, hey, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of time right now, but I wanted to shoot this video to let you know X, Y, and Z and C here. Or, hey, we got this new thing in and you can show it to people and then shoot off that message. Right. And it's a little more personable because you took the time to like shoot a video and they, you know, they see your mannerisms and what you're wearing and just what you look like that day. And I don't know, it just humanizes it a little bit. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's kind of cool because so, you know, we haven't had that kind of access in the past. Like I think video is kind of on the up and up right now Um, in, in the sense of ease to use and accessibility. It's like anybody can shoot a video on their phones nowadays, regardless of quality. And I think it's cool because yeah, it does add that personal aspect to it. Cause I mean, sure you can leave a voicemail, but like, I don't know. Sometimes you can leave a voicemail on like a phone call or like not a phone call. Wow. On a drive. Um, like, so you're driving somewhere and it doesn't like, it seems as if like that phone call was made, like maybe without dedicating the right amount of time to it versus if you're shooting a video, it's like that, that shows an extra step that you had to take. It's a little bit above and beyond. And sure. You know, I mean, it may not be like 1080p quality or whatever, but it does show that you were willing to kind of take that extra step. And it does add that kind of human aspect to it, which is really cool. Cause and I think that's why kids also today like love FaceTime. They'd rather FaceTime somebody than phone, like give them a phone call. Cause it's like, they can actually see that person that they're with, you know, talking to them in face to face kind of thing. Have you seen the new, um, the ads for the Facebook video phone? No. So it's kind of like, um, from what I can see, it's a device about the size of an iPad. Oh, okay. It does have a camera which tracks. Oh. So if you're walking around your house, the camera is following you around. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting concept. Yeah. Le- leading more into that, you know, home automation segment and sector like uh, like Google over there. Right. Hey, Google, tell us a joke. What kind of music do bunnies like best? I don't know. Hip hop. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Cute. Cute. Yep, definitely. So, I don't know, just kind of an interesting concept. Well, yeah, so going off that a little bit, I think the video messaging system that we have today is, is great because it keeps people in contact with each other That it, if there's long distances. So, like, I have family that live out of state, and, you know, every time we have a family get-together, we're always FaceTiming at least somebody in a different state because it makes them feel like they're there. Right. And it's super cool because, I mean, we didn't have that kind of capability in the past. I mean, sure, you can give them a phone call, but to actually see them in their home or wherever you are, you know, especially if, if we're the whole family because a lot of my family lives here, um, and the other members that are out there, they can actually see all of us together and we can all kind of pass the phone around and talk to each other kind of thing. It it adds that sense of of being there. And it's it's not necessarily a crutch. It's more of like a, a kind of gift at that point because it's yeah. really cool to be able to do that. Well, yeah, like, um, you know, grandparents can say goodnight to the kids right. as they're going down to bed or, or whatever. So it's de- I think there's definitely some really cool ways to kind of rehumanize, ironically using technology. Right. But um, getting away from that impersonal, you know, automation could be impersonal. And then, you know, millennials get accused of just kind of being like so impersonal and about what they're doing and not taking the time to to talk to the older generations right. or what have you. But um, I mean, I, so, you know, I'm 45, I'm Gen X. Right. But man, I'm guilty of the same stuff. You know, like there's people I should probably call, but I'm like, ah, I don't really have time. I'm gonna shoot a text. Right. Um, so I think we all rely on it. I know there's clients of mine that they're just not gonna text. Right. And they'll tell me like, don't text me. I'm not yeah. gonna. So I'm not gonna text them. 
But um, it, but sometimes that's a shame too because it's like I really don't have time for a phone call with them, but I really need to talk to them. But I'll just I have to do it in the morning. Right. Got to call them tomorrow. Yeah. And I could have got the information out right now. Well, so yeah, I totally agree. It's I I it's hard to make time like that because it's we all have so much going on in our lives. Like we're all guilty of it. I don't think anybody's not. I mean. It, it's a matter of trying to figure out. So like, yeah, what's the best way that works for everyone at that point? So yeah, if somebody doesn't prefer to text, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I don't really have the time to make a phone call. Um, but it's, it, you have to kind of find a compromise at that point. Cause it's in today's society, things are moving so fast and it seems like everybody's just getting more and more things on their plate that it's hard to kind of juggle that. It seems like life is just always moving at like a million miles an hour. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it's just getting faster. Yeah, it's seriously. It's and I think that has to do with the technology age too, because we're gaining and and losing information so quickly. Like I, I'm, I know we've talked about this many times, but like you know, on the news, one thing will be hot for like two minutes, and the next thing, like something else pops up, and that last thing's no longer relevant. And it's just, it's kind of fantastic and amazing, but also kind of terrifying at the same time to think like nothing's really super significant for a period of time. Because, like, that's another thing, too, and I, I know I'm ranting, getting off topic a little bit, but, like, history, I'm kind of curious about that in the future. Like, what is going to be history for kids in, in the history books, like, 10 years down the line? Because it's, like, so much happens in such a little amount of time. How do we keep track of all that, and how do we kind of, like, recount that to the future generations? That's a good point because there's almost like an exponential amount of news topics that come at us. Yeah. Meaning you could take just today's news and go back 20 years, and that could be a month's worth of news. Right. You know, because there's enough shocking headlines and things that are disseminating across the wire. Yeah. It's hard to take it all in. There's so much noise out there. It's tough to take it all in. And it's tough to break out of the noise. Like if you're trying, if you need to get attention about something, yeah. it's not easy nowadays. No. You have to. And and what I'm kind of like thinking about is how do you, how do we do more of this humanization with technology? Meaning, again, we're all just people, right? Right. And I, I believe humans are tribal. Yeah. Like they thrive in in groups. Right. And they struggle by themselves. It's true. So how can you how can we rehumanize the way that future generations communicate with not only their generation but other generations, just people in general? Yeah. Well, and that's it's tough because I think, you know, based on social media today, it seems like more people are divided versus being like actually Communitative or I, yeah, tribalistic, I guess is the word. I, it's a Mark Malin. I always say that wrong word, but yeah, it seems like so. We're always, or at least my generation, I would say, is more kind of self focused. And like, I think for me specifically, like, I just want success. I want to be able to be successful and like have a live a happy life, not really stressing about, you know, anything like that. I just want to be successful enough that I'm like, okay, I can have a family and not struggle about having to be, you know, Bill to bill kind of thing. I'm always right. like trying to worry about that. I just I want to be happy in life, knowing that I've I've gotten to the point where I don't have to stress about those things. So I may sacrifice some friendships and some relationships with people because I want to be successful. And I think that's a little selfish. I'm not gonna lie. But at the same time, it's like seeing is that my parents want what's best for me, and that's why they want me to go to college. I, I feel like I'd also be doing them a disservice if I gave up on that. So I'm really hard on myself in the sense that I want to be successful, not just for me and my future family, but for the family I have now. Because I know they they kind of want you know the best for me, and I want the best for me as well. So, and I think that's this kind of mindset that a lot of millennials have today. I mean, 
true, there are plenty of lazy ones out there. I'm not going to lie. But I think for the ones that are trying to be kind of forward thinking and really kind of passion driven about the future success of themselves, um, that's kind of one of the things that attributes to that, at least for me. So, it, it, so I'm just I'm like taking in the information that you, as you're you're talking about it, but what I'm what I'm kind of thinking about is when you are focused on being the best person that you can be. Yeah. The outcome of that in the end is then now you will gain some tools that will allow you to help others around you. Right. As opposed to, and I th- I don't think this is your generation. I think this is just growing up in general. Yeah. As opposed to um, not worrying about that stuff right now. And, and then you hit a point in life where you're like, oh man, not that it's too late, but I, I missed out on several years where I could have been further along or further ahead. Right. And I think, and I think that's true for me being 45. It's true for a 65 year old person. It's true for you know, anyone that's starting a business or whatever stage you are in life. Yeah. There's are some, there are definitely things you have to take care of yourself for, you know, like your, your health, you should take care of your health for your kids. Right. Cause you don't want to die prematurely and not be able to, give to your kids totally if you can help that and you have you have control over that sort of thing right um, but that is a way of giving back to others by taking care of yourself I know that sounds kind of weird no it makes sense though yeah sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish in the sense that like if if it is a matter of life and death obviously you have to risk something because I mean you can't be juggling as many balls as in the in the air as you like uh, you you have to be realistic I think is what I'm trying to say because it's you can't please everyone, unfortunately. And I, I I, am a victim of that. I always think that I can. But at the same time, it's like you have to sacrifice something to be able to make something else better. So, like, you know, I I sometimes have to sacrifice hanging out with friends because I'm like, yeah, I'd rather do this assignment for a class because I need to get a good grade in this class so I can graduate college and make my life better in the future. And you know what? If you want to go out and party that night, that's totally fine. That's your prerogative. But I have a different goal in mind for myself. See, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a goal and sticking to the goal because then this gets into the realm of integrity. Yeah. And integrity was something I looked at differently after I talked to Jim McLaughlin. Oh, okay, yeah. And his definition of integrity is basically doing what you say you're going to do. Right. Not is it not is it wrong or right? Yeah. Okay, so there's no take the morality out of it, but it is did you complete what you said you were going to do? Right. And if you say you're going to go to school and get an education, did you do that? Right. So completing that is your number one goal. Everything else is secondary to that and doesn't necessarily infect your in- affect, not infect. <laughs> affect your integrity because you didn't make a promise to do those other things. Right. And so I, I think making sure that your goals are correct is number one, and then having the integrity to, to fulfill on those goals. And if you're doing those things right, I think that's going to build confidence. It's going to give you tools moving forward down the road. It's going to put you further ahead because you're going to feel good about completing the things that you said you were going to complete. Right. By completing those things, you're going to learn you're going to learn stuff. You're going to be a more effective person. You're going to have tools that you can bring to an employer or start your own business or what have you. Right. So I, like, if you define it in the realm of, look, I'm just setting out goals and saying what I want to accomplish, and then I'm going to make sure that I make good on those goals and my promises to myself, 
and keeping that integrity. And if that's intact, I don't think you have anything to feel bad about, even if others are disappointed and maybe you not hanging out with them or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing I guess I have to come to realize too. It's like, so there are things in life that are more important than others, you know, and that's obviously, yes, having a goal and accomplishing that goal is obviously the most important thing in life, I think, because if you're if you're not driven by something and you don't really have a passion for something, it kind of makes life a little more dull. It doesn't make it as, as fulfilling. And I always look forward to like, you know, crossing something off my list because it's, it's a little bit of those, yeah, I, I was going to actually mention this last session, but minor victories I think are a great thing. If we can all start looking at life as just a little bit of minor victories instead of like overall large victories, then it seems like you you kind of have more drive to get more things done. So like, for example, if you are reading a chapter for a book or whatever, um, and once you get to the end of that chapter, you treat yourself with like a little you know snack or a little candy or whatever, you're like, okay, cool. I feel good that I finished a chapter of a book. And even though like, that starts to get to, like, there's a point, I guess, that you go, okay, well, you don't need to reward yourself for everything that you do. Because at that point, it's like, you know, it, it, it feels a little ingenuine. But I think it helps, like, so some people are driven by having goals and having a reason to complete something and then getting something for it. I know incentives are a big thing for people. And maybe that's another millennial mindset. It's like they always want to have something for what they do kind of thing. But if what they're giving is, like, high quality and they get rewarded for it, it makes sense. So like, yeah, okay, I I guess another argument could be, okay, if you ch- study for a chapter of your test the next day, you know, you, you study really hard for that, and you get a good grade, that's still a compensation for the work you got put in there, and it's not necessarily like a tangible reward, it's more of like a self-aspiring kind of thing, where you're like, oh, based on the hard work I put into this study, I got a good grade, and that's going to benefit me in the future, that kind of thing. So everything has a kind of incentive to it. And it's just a matter of kind of building up all of those minor incentives and minor victories until you get to kind of the bigger pitch, picture kind of thing. Well, I think, and you know what? What is important about that is action. Yeah. Like, and everyone's going to be a little different. So, like, if you are the type that's, if you get rewarded for a small action, and that'll help you to, to do another action, then you should probably do more of that. Yeah. Because I think the biggest breakdown in anyone when they're setting goals and trying to accomplish things is lack of action. Right. Like we all, hey, look, man, we all collect these awesome ideas. And just, I mean, I could just go on YouTube right now and probably get 10 new really cool ideas. But it, the real thing is like, do I incorporate an action? Is there an actionable item around that idea that I start doing? Right. And like working out is a good example for me. Yeah. I have workout equipment at my house and here's how I get myself to work out. I'm going to do one set of bench press tonight. Yeah. If I get in there and do one set of bench press, chances are I'll probably do a second set. There you go. Then chances are maybe I'll do some other exercises around that. But if I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to hit the weights for an hour at my house tonight, Chances of me not doing that go up a lot. Definitely. So it's ta- uh, it's taking that action, that small reward. And then at the, you know what is so funny? Like working out is such a good analogy for so many things. But w- when you do that one set, then you feel like, you know what? At least I worked out today. Definitely. I don't care what else happened. At yeah. least I worked out. I said I was going to work out and I worked out. Right. And there's something rewarding about keeping your integrity to yourself. It's true. Because it's... It, that's an easy one to break. Yeah. 
um, I'll get to that later. It's just me, you know, whatever. Right. If I make a promise to you, I'm more apt to keep that promise. If I make a promise to myself, it's a little harder. Right. But I like the, you know, break it up into small bits. Do whatever it is that you need to do to have yourself take an action. Right. And just focus on an action. Yeah, and going off your analogy, I like that too. The idea of of setting realistic goals and then surpassing them and surprising yourself. Because if you go, okay, I'm going to do just a little bit of this. And once you've started it, you're kind of like, well, I mean, I guess I could go for like another hour, you know, and you're like, I've already made it this far. Why not? And it's just, it's it's good because at that point you've surpassed the goal you've already set. And it's it's good. It's a good feeling to know that you can actually do that and accomplish it because it's, it, some people set really unrealistic goals for themselves and get down on themselves because they couldn't even reach anywhere close to that goal. But if they go, okay, I'm going to set 12 small realistic goals. I, I, I seem to pick 12 for a number for some reason. It's just a good round number, I guess. Um, but you you cross off those little bits and pieces every time you go and you go, you know what? Today I said I was going to do an hour of this, but I kind of like what I started. So like, uh, for example, for me, I'm going to start writing pretty soon. That's something I like to do. I want to get better at it. Um, so say I, I start writing a chapter of a book and you know what? Maybe I want to write a second one today. If I'm just like, I'm going to only write 10 pages, I end up maybe writing 15 because I'm just kind of in that groove. And like you said, once you take that action, it's kind of just, it's it's like rudimentary at that point. We're just going with the motions kind of thing. And you're, you're kind of glad you did at that point because some people are just like, yeah, I'll get to it. And then they get depressed that they didn't even do it. And it's like, well, you know, it, it doesn't help to dwell on the fact that you didn't even start it. It's, it's not doing you any benefit. So there's this other thing going on at all times in my mind, and I'm pretty sure it's happening in other people's minds as well. And there's this like, it, you're subject to your mental state at the time. Yeah. Are you energized? Are you tired? Are you excited? Are you kind of bummed out? You know, no matter what your goals are, right? You have this mental state that's working for you or against you at all times. Yeah. So sometimes it works for you when you're like, hey, I'm going to write another chapter right now because I'm just, I'm going to keep rolling. Right. Sometimes it works against you like, oh, man, I know I was supposed to write, but I'm just tired, man. I just kind of want to watch TV and go to sleep. Right. But being able to break down the actions into small steps helps us to battle or combat or compensate for the emotional state we might be in at the time. Yep, definitely. And believe me, there's always an emotional state that you're in at the time. Yeah. And I think writing's a really good example. Um, I'm not creatively writing in the sense of writing a book, but right now I'm revamping my um, drip email campaigns that go out to my clients. And and so when I look at it as a whole, like oh, I got to write like thirty emails out. That's daunting, right? And they've got to be meaningful and something that's authentic and something. You know what I mean? There's all these these um, rules or kind of expectations around each email. Yeah. But it's like, hey man, if I could do one email a day, I can handle that. Right. Yeah. And I know that it'll be done in thirty days if I do one a day. Right. As opposed to just kick that can down the road for six months or so because I'm just I'm never gonna have the time to do thirty at once. It's true. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, and that's you're straining yourself at that point too, trying to like cram everything into one day kind of thing. I I, I feel like a lot of people struggle with that too. They'd rather just put it off to the last minute because there are so many other 
reasons to not do something. I mean, right. procrastination is real and it hits me pretty hard sometimes. It, I, it hits everybody. Yeah. It's just how you deal... A, it's how you recognize it is right. the most important part. Definitely. Because some people don't even recognize it. And I know that there's been times in my life where I didn't recognize it. And then once you recognize it, then you have the power to decide if you're going to do something about it or not. Right. And it's much easier to say, hey, I have the power to do something really small right now. Yep. I'm going to work out for... Two minutes. Right. And that's cool. Yeah, I, I I fall into the camp where I like to think I can do too many things in a small amount of time. Like I I have, I like setting up those little goals, but at the same time, it's like, so if I have a, a small group of little things I can do in 10 minutes, I feel like I've gotten so much done. Right. And, you know, regardless of if it's, you know, really anything super significant, like whether it's like I'm scrolling through on, you know, an article feed or whatever, like Flipboard or whatever, and I go, okay, well, I'm going to save a couple of those articles to read later. And so, you know, I save them to my library or whatever, and then I go, okay, I have five minutes between class. Let me read at least two articles. And at least at that point, I'm gaining knowledge about something, I, and, and I've crossed two things off that long list of articles that I said I was going to read. And it's just a matter of kind of like understanding that I can, I can do things but I just have to set realistic standards for those. So Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't, you're just talking about doing things. Right. And again, it goes back to that action thing. Like, are you taking actionable steps to accomplish what you said you were going to accomplish? Right. And I think that is something too that I'm trying to teach my kids that there's nothing, I don't know, how do I say this? If you're going to set up goals for yourself, right? And you're not going to complete those goals, it's going to feel bad for you. Right. And that can be a source of depression. If you set steps that you take and complete, it's going to feel good. Yep. And that's the source of self-confidence. And no one else can do this for you, which is the odd thing. Yeah. Because I think there was there has been a push in parenting that, you know, everyone's great. And everyone's awesome and self-affirmations and all that stuff, right? Right. But the reality is if someone just runs around thinking they're great, but they're not taking the actions that they said they were going to do, they can't mask, sooner or later, they can't mask the feeling that they're feeling like a failure for not completing those things. Right. And I know certainly I'm guilty of that still today. You know, when I do things and I'm surprising myself, I feel good. Yep. When I don't get things done, I don't feel good. Yep. And so, I mean, we have a little control over our happiness by what we are able to accomplish or not accomplish. So then the trick is, again, how do I, what's the mental trick I can use against myself to get myself to take an action? Because it's just, you got to take that first action. Right. That's, I think that is the literally the breakdown point for most failure is inaction. Yes, Definitely. And yeah, I going off of that, it's I, I guess in the same vein, but so sometimes I say that to myself, you know, if I if I'm failing to take an action, it's because I don't think I'm capable of doing it. So I, I set up these mental roadblocks where I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I'm capable of taking this kind of action based on my skill level and whatever it is. Um, and that doesn't benefit me because if I learn to take the risk and I go, okay, well, I can try it. And if I fail from it, that's fine. Because I know then I can do it better next time. 
Um, and it's just a matter of, of understanding that learning is a thing. And right. That learning is a big part of becoming a, a human and, and developing as a human. We're not all perfect and we're never going to be. We're never going to be perfect at something the first time we try it. And it's a matter of just going, okay, I am okay with failure. I'm okay from learning from failure. And I'm okay with the fact that I know that's going to benefit me in the future. Like, it, it, it's kind of crazy because, like, I always tend to think of that in the sense that, like, and I always compare myself to people too. I'm like, oh, I'm not as good as this person. But that's not the way you should think. You should go, I am me. I am my own individual. And I could eventually learn to be like this person, but I don't really want to compare myself at that point. I want to be unique in my own sense and learn from different people, different skills to then build up and maybe have my own ideas and perspectives on these things. And being able to take failure and look at it as an opportunity to learn is so powerful. It's so hard to do sometimes. Right. But it's so powerful. Totally. Because those that I know that can do that and just look like, man, I didn't get the outcome I wanted and that's a little disappointing. Boy, did I learn something. Yes. And here's what I learned. And now when I see that come up again, I know to, to take a different approach. Right. Um, that's, you know, watching my son learn baseball at age four is awesome because he's come such a far way in a couple months of playing baseball. Right. And it's just like, he doesn't have any like preconceived notions about it or whatever. He just gets out there and does what he does and he listens to people and then mimics them and then he starts, you know, putting a few different patterns together and now it's like, okay, the guy has like a stance and he can hit a ball. Yeah. And he can throw a ball and he can pick up a ball and he couldn't do that a couple months ago. Right. And it, but it's just that his willingness to keep trying and and you know failing forward or whatever you want to say about that and not putting too much story around it is is cool it's cool to watch right. and it's like man i i need to have that childlike sense of wonder about where i'm going what i'm doing and the even failures i have wow that was interesting i feel why why did i have a failure right what could i have done differently there oh yeah i just mentally wasn't on i maybe i wasn't paying attention and you know, whatever. I miss some signals in there. Right. But there's always something I can do differently to get a different result. That's true. Definitely. All right, man. Well, episode four is in the books. In the books. Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, like I said earlier, you can check us out on op- Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean. So, and Spotify coming soon. Coming soon. Thanks, guys. A podcast for my children with Kale Thomas and Chris Cox. See you next time. See you next time.